Hello, good morning. Let's turn to John chapter 11. John chapter 11. Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Martha and her sister, or village of Mary and her sister Martha. And it was the Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. The sisters therefore sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, whom you love is sick. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified by it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And when therefore he heard that he was sick, he stayed then two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, Let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you. You are going there again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble, because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone who walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. He's, he's, uh, this he said, and after that he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go that I may awaken him out of sleep. The disciples therefore said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus has spoken of his death, but they thought that he was speaking of literal sleep. Then Jesus therefore said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Thomas therefore, who is called Didymus, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. So when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. Martha, therefore, when she heard that Jesus was coming, went to meet him, but Mary still sat in the house. Martha, therefore, said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother shall rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me shall live even if he dies, and everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she said to him, Yes, Lord, I have believed that you are the Christ, the Son of God, even he who comes into the world. And when and she had said this, she went away and called, her, uh, called Mary her sister, saying secretly, The teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she arose quickly and was coming to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha met him. The Jews then, who were with her in the house and consoling her, when they saw that Mary rose up quickly and went out, followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Therefore, when Mary came uh, where Jesus was, she saw him, fell at his feet, saying, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and was troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? And And they said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews were saying, Behold how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not this man who opened the eyes of him who is blind have kept this man also from dying? Jesus therefore again, being deeply moved within, came to the tomb. Now it was a cave, and a stone was lying against it. Jesus said, Remove the stone. Martha, the sister of the sea, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be a stench, for he had been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not say to you, If you believe, you will see the glory of God? And so they removed the stone, and Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hearest me. And I knew that thou hearest me always, but because of the people standing around, I said it, that they may believe that thou didst send me. And when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came forth, bound hand and foot with wrappings, and his face was wrapped around with a cloth. Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. 
Many, therefore, the Jews who had come to Mary, beheld what he had done, believed in him. But some of them went away to the Pharisees and told them the things which Jesus had done. Therefore, the chief priests and the Pharisees convened a council and were saying, What are we doing? For this man is performing many signs. If we let him go on like this, all men will believe in him, and the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. But a certain one of them, Caiaphas, who was high priest that year, said to them, You know nothing at all, nor do you take into account that it is expedient for you that one man should die for the people, that the whole nation should not perish. Now this he did not say in his own initiative, but being high priest that, that year, he prophesied that Jesus was going to die for the nation, and not only for the nation only, but that he might uh, also gather together into one the children of God whom, who are scattered abroad. So from that day on, they planned together to kill him. Jesus, therefore, no longer continued to walk publicly among the Jews, but went away from there to the country near the wilderness into a city called Ephraim, and there he stayed with the disciples. Now the Passover of the Jews was at hand, and many went up to Jerusalem out of the country before the Passover to purify themselves. Therefore they were seeking for Jesus and were saying to one another as they stood in the temple, What do you think, that he will not come to the feast at all? Now the, now the chief priests and the Pharisees had given orders that if anyone knew where he, he was, he should report it that they might seize him. Amen. Um, chapter 11, uh, the miracle of Lazarus is kind of the, the centerpiece of uh, the book of John. This is the, the climactic miracle of John. Unlike all the other miracles, remember all the other miracles were kind of unmiraculous miracles, this is the miraculous miracle. So this is like very, very plain. Um, and it will tie in all the different themes that we've already seen in John. Um, and uh, it also will lead Jesus to the cross. So there's a shift that happens here. Now everything's moving towards the cross uh, that we see. Uh, so John introduces Lazarus. And, uh, and seemingly uh, everyone knows who he is. Everyone knows Martha. Uh, he, he mentions, you know, this story about Mary. Uh, uh, this, this was so famous in the Christian world uh, at this time. And so, um, so Lazarus, again, is another one of the beloved disciples. Uh, so there, there's a lot of them. It, it's not just the 12. There's a lot of these disciples that are out there, some also being Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus. They're also disciples uh, at this stage. And so we'll, we'll see them come into the forefront um, in a little bit. And uh, he offers the same uh, comment that he offers when others ask the question about sickness and disease and death. And he says it's for the glory of God. Um, but this particular passage is uh, something that maybe helps us uh, with a certain point of view uh, in our lives, especially when we think that God is slow in answering our prayers. I think this, this text actually uh, answers a lot of those questions that we have in our hearts. And, and, and most of us know that when we have delayed prayers or we've been really asking God for something for a long time, it's really discouraging. And, and it's, it's, uh, it makes us really question God. It makes us question our own relationship with God. It, we, we question God's goodness and all these things. Um, but the story of Lazarus reminds us that in delayed prayer or delayed answer to prayer, there's always a reason. Uh, let that really sink deep into our spirit. Uh, delayed answers... We know from this story there's always a reason. Uh, 
always. Um, Jesus hears the bad news, and he says it's for God's glory. We know all these things, death, sickness, all these things, they have totally lost its power. Let me read Paul in 1 Corinthians 15. He says, O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. All these things have lost its potency now in the face of Jesus. Uh, John whispers to us in in verse 5, and and this is important. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Just keep that in in your heart all the time. Jesus loved Martha, loved Mary, loved Lazarus. And when he heard that he was sick, he stayed then two days longer. In our economy, those two things don't go together. You know what I mean? Like in our economy, when said, I love somebody, and then you're not there. It's, and so again, there's a reason. In God, there's always a reason. In your delay, there's always a reason. Uh, uh, you know, many times we want God to act immediately. We think this is so urgent, and, and it is. It is urgent, but many times he delays. And in that delay, we need to understand God and, and have the peace of God, knowing that, right, that there's always a reason for the delay. So before we continue on there, let's do a little bit of kind of cool theology Um, In Christ, we see this laid out, in Christ, death is just sleep. So we see another instance here, and he says simply to the disciples, he's fallen asleep. And so the disciples said, okay, you know, let's go wake him up. Because in this time, if, if you said that he's sleeping, it meant that the fever had broken and now he's just in bed resting. So he's going to wake up soon. So they think, okay, no problem. He, he's, he's alive, right? No, no rush. And so then Jesus has to say in verse 14, just, hey, Lazarus is dead. <laughs> okay, these guys just don't get it. But they will get it. Because all through the first century, all through the early church, using Jesus' specific viewpoint about death, they will also begin to see death as sleep. The, the, the writer, gospel writers will write about this. They'll, Luke will write about Stephen uh, as he's being stoned, and he'll say that he fell asleep. They'll talk about those through the resurrection. Uh, and they said, many of, us, many of them are here now, and he'll say, and some have fallen asleep. And so they'll start taking this narrative uh, that, that Jesus has, has really started uh, in this place. And, uh, and, and Jesus... Uh, Verse 15, so Lazarus is dead. I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there, that you may believe, but let us go to him. This sounds a little harsh. If, if you just take it on in face value, he says, waiting two extra days. It's not like, you know, they were busy doing something. He's, he purposely waited extra days like he just hung out by himself or whatever he's doing to delay this moment and he said that he's glad now very case in point he's not glad for his friend's death 
Don't let the enemy whisper these things to you, okay? He's not glad that his friend has died, but he's glad for the opportunity that his friend's death brings. What is the opportunity? It's the opportunity to believe, right? How important is to believe? In Jesus' economy, their belief is literally more important than life and death. Think about that next time you want to speak to a friend about Jesus. Think about that next time that you're asking for the courage to witness to somebody. In Jesus' economy, believing, believing in him, right, is is more important than life and death. Because we're we're talking about eternal life, an eternal death uh, that's at hand. And so he's saying, I'm glad, I'm glad for the opportunity It is so important for you disciples to believe. It is so important that you understand and that you believe and you have faith in your heart. And that's what he's saying. So he finally gets to this place. Um, There's a lot of people surrounding them. Martha hears. Martha runs to Jesus uh, um, uh, out of the house. And he says, Lord, if you had not been here, my brother would not have died. Now, we lose a lot in, uh, in written form, okay? And so we, we've done this, right? You get an email from someone, you're wondering, are they happy? Are they mad? You know, you, you, you can't really tell, right? And so you make judgments. I think in this way, because we're reading this, I think Martha scolds Jesus. Uh, this, this seems to be more in line um, and, and then she turns and says, even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. And she says, your brother shall rise again. And he's, Martha says, I know that he'll rise again in the resurrection of the last day. She, she's, she's gotten some good teaching. You know, the rabbis have taught her well uh, about the, the resurrection uh, in this place. And, 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 and the, you know, this was, uh, uh, this was quite common uh, during this time. Uh, the rabbis uh, taught that those who didn't believe in the resurrection, you know, would not share in the life to come. So she understands this. And then Jesus uh, uh, responds uh, with this incredible, uh, incredible uh, word. Verse 25 says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me shall live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And notice Martha's response. She says, yes, I have believed that you are the Christ, the Son of God, even he who comes in the world. Now, let's contrast that with Mary. So Mary, uh, in that same place, so she comes, and uh, verse 32, Mary saw him, fell at his feet, and started saying, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Notice the same exact sentence. Martha gets teaching. Mary gets a response, gets action. What's the difference? I mean, we we could talk about this forever in this way. I pray that we would be more like Mary. Martha had really good theology. She was very clear about these things, right? But good theology doesn't necessarily move God's heart. There's something, you know, you have one person that kind of runs to Jesus and, you know, I think kind of scolds him. Not only me, I think a lot of scholars believe the same thing. And what does Mary do? Mary just sits at his feet. 
you know, uh, just just totally submitted um, uh, to him in this way, and this will be his, uh, this will be kind of her normal response to Jesus, always moved, always sitting at his feet. And this this phrase that that Jesus says to Martha, I am the resurrection life. I don't know if you ever read a book called Mere Christianity. Mere Christianity, written by C.S. Lewis. And one of the arguments that Mere Christianity has, uh, Lewis basically says, you know, a lot of people think that he's a good teacher. And, uh, uh, and uh, C.S. Lewis says, you need to get rid of that argument. And he's, he's talking to atheists, non-believers. And he says, because if he's a good teacher, then the things that he said, right, uh, and, he, you know, he's got a very famous line. He's like, either he's a lunatic, right, or he really is the son of God. Because you can't, you can't say the things that he said and then also be a good teacher because he says he's God in this way. So either he's crazy and you have to just you know, put him in that category or you have to wrestle with the fact that he really is who he said he was. And when Jesus says a statement like this, either there's resurrection or there's not. Like he's really backed himself into a corner now. And so, like, he's got he's to produce. I mean, like, Lazarus has to be raised from the dead, basically. Because he says it, I'm the resurrection and the life. And, you, and we as believers and, and, and people in the world, you have to come to this realization. Like, and use, use, using Lewis's line, either he's a madman or the son of God. He says there's no middle ground. You can't just co- take the cop out by saying he's a good teacher. Because a good teacher would not say and teach the things that he does in this way. And so, uh, so going back to Mary. So Mary, right, Jesus is moved. Something about Mary's attitude, about Mary's heart, you know, uh, seated at his feet and all these things. And then uh, he sees her weeping. And, uh, and the word, he says, he becomes angry. Uh, it's it's in in the in the Greek uh, he it says he troubles himself embrinomai uh, um, in in this word is used uh, in uh, with horses and you know when a horse is about ready to charge and there's like a the snorting and you know you've seen cartoons and things where the horse uh, uh, snorts and you see this air you know like coming out of the the horse's nose and there's this sound. That's basically the sound that Jesus makes. He's, he's, the, the word is he's stirring himself up. I think he started doing spiritual warfare. I, th- I think he's, he's, he started um, uh, just really uh, settling in because think about this. Now he's going to take on the spirit of death. Uh, at that time, the greatest weapon that the enemy had until Jesus took it from him. And he's staring at death, and he's staring at something that he's going to encounter himself in only a few days from now. And, and we see this happening, and then he says he wept. Now, the weeping, uh, let me show you a little difference here. The weeping that Jesus does uh, in Greek is called edacrisin. Uh, it's only used this one time in the whole of the New Testament. And it's derived from the word tear, so like, like a single tear, you know, kind of the idea, but it, it depicts silent crying and deep, deep crying. Um, uh, Mary, the others, are wailing. That's another kind of crying. In Greek, it's called the kaleo. And this is wailing, like, Aah! you know, like, like kind of hysterical wailing. Jesus is not doing that because he's not sad. Do you, do you understand the difference here? 
There's not a sadness. He's not saying, oh, poor Lazarus. Oh, poor Mary, poor Martha. He's, he's moved into this, this deep weeping, this, this deep crying within. His, his weeping is deeper. And, and, and maybe some scholars have connected this, that it could be like this, this depth of pain as a, result, as a result of the fall. You know, you, you can imagine, you know, when Adam and Eve, and you can imagine God or even, um, um, you know, the Tower of Babel and, uh, you know, the flood and these things. And you can imagine God with this deep, deep sadness, uh, you know, over man and their sin. And it's, and it's probably related in that same way. And so he, he comes and he, and he reaches the tomb and uh, he, uh, he says something to the crowd. He prays openly. Um, uh, you know, it was an accepted fact at this time that, that Jesus could heal, but no one believed that he can raise someone from the dead. You know what's really cool? Um, in the early church, this will change. Now, in the early church, as soon as someone dies, you know what they did? They called the apostles. Do you remember in Acts 9? Tabitha passes away, and what happens? They call Peter. Jesus will totally change the way that they look at death. And, and, and they'll, they'll, they'll see it as an opportunity in this way. Um, Jesus is stirred up inside. He asks for the stone to, re, re, uh, to be removed. Remember, this was a, 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 a Jewish burial was two parts. The first part was to put them into um, a cave and let the body decompose. Um, a, a year would pass by. They would go back and take the bones and put it into a box, into an ossuary. Do you remember when Jesus is, is calling the disciples and one of them says, Oh, permit me first to go and bury my parents. Um, what that meant was it wasn't like he was waiting for his parents to die. They've already died. But he was waiting for that one-year period, which was a, 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 like a good Jewish son. That was the custom. Wait that one year and then take his bones and put it into an ossuary. That, that was the idea. And so, you know, uh, this is a two-step burial process. Praise God, Lazarus would not need step two. And this is, this is basically what happens. Uh, he comes uh, and, he, and he, he prays publicly. He wants everyone to hear uh, uh, what's going on? Martha insists that they, that they don't do that because four days have passed, and now he's going to be pretty smelly uh, with all these things. And Jesus, this is what does he do? He just prays. He just prays. Brothers and sisters, all miracles, every miracle is simply answered prayer. Right? Every miracle is simply God answering prayer. You want to see a miracle? We need to pray. Think about it. Every miracle is just answered prayer. And so it's contingent upon the body of Christ, upon the church, to pray these audacious prayers. Right? That's simply what they are. He's so confident that the Father hears his prayers, he prays it out loud so everyone could hear and also believe. And remember in John 10, uh, 27, it says, My sheep hear my voice and they follow. So what does he say? These incredible words. Lazarus, 
come forth, and his sheep heard his voice, and he comes out of the tomb into life. It's amazing, right? Jesus speaks, and the sheep, Lazarus, comes out. Now, crazy enough, when you look at the end of this, see, miracles, like, like we've, we've, we've said this so many times, most people think that when miracles happen, oh my gosh, everyone's going to believe, uh, right? That, that's kind of the idea. Oh, oh my goodness, if, if, if God does this, oh, the, the whole city of Hong Kong's got to believe. That's not true. Look what happens here. The miracle causes a response. And so some of them actually, uh, verse 46, some of them went away to the Pharisees and told them the things which Jesus had done. So some of them believed, oh my goodness, they're celebrating, and some went to go narc on Jesus with the Pharisees. Can you believe it? I mean, imagine you're in this crowd, and so if you're there, you have some association with Mary and Martha, because you're there to mourn together. So these are not strangers. This is not just like a random crowd that's gathered. These are friends, colleagues, associates, you know, something And then they see this guy raised from the dead. And what do they do? They go to the Pharisees and basically tell them, right, to get Jesus in trouble. It's kind of like the lame man. Remember earlier on, you know, after this, they go tells on on him. And and so um, uh, a private meeting is gathered together. John probably knows this because probably Joseph or Nicodemus probably tell him. And so he's, he's writing what's happening here. And then uh, verse 48 is the center of their heart. If we let him go on like this, all men will believe in him, and the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. The place meant, meant the temple. Uh, in, for, for them, uh, literally, they call the temple uh, a ha-makom, which meant the place. And so, right, this, people are going to believe him. And if they believe him, we're going to lose everything. So we, we know what their motivations are. And then they get to the place. And so now that we run into Caiaphas. Caiaphas was a um, high priest from AD 18 to 36. It's a really long time. Especially when Romans were uh, lifting up and deposing high priests almost every other year. And so he, he's got this place, and you could hear the arrogance in his voice. He, he, uh, these guys are talking, and look what he says in verse 49. He says, you know nothing at all. <laughs> Can you imagine? These are like the most learned men of his time. You know? And he says, you guys don't know Jack, man. Right? I know everything. You don't know anything. It's such arrogance of, of this high priest. And, and he tells them all these things, and now... He's basically leading them to break the sixth commandment. You shall not murder. Right? The very like pinnacle of their law. They're going to break this thing and, and basically uh, uh, set them up. Now, if you think about this, this was the perfect time for the Pharisees to take the upper hand. Because remember, there was, there was always some, there was a fight between the Pharisees and the Sadducees. The Sadducees didn't believe in the resurrection. Now there's incontrovertible evidence of a resurrection. 
We see Lazarus. Everyone knows Lazarus. They know what's going on. And they could have totally taken the upper hand and used this opportunity to uh, 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 increase their agenda and their following and all these things. But they don't. They team up with the Sadducees, uh, the high priest, and they kill Jesus. Their hatred for Jesus right, was greater than, than their desire uh, to uh, promulgate their belief about the resurrection. Right? So, so sad of what happens here. So let's close our eyes. Sorry, went a little longer than I thought. Let's close our eyes. Let's go back and let's talk about delayed prayer. Maybe you're praying for something right now, and it's not happened. It's not happening. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Don't listen to the enemy. He says, God doesn't love you. If God loved you, he would answer your prayer. God does love you, just like he loved Mary, Martha, Lazarus. Yes, there's delay. Yes, we understand that. But there's also a reason. And this too, brothers and sisters, is an avenue for faith. To trust in Him. To trust in Him even in the delay. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you as you're waiting on something. Let's trust God and say, Lord, I'm waiting. It's painful sometimes, but I trust you because I know there's a reason, just like there was a reason with Lazarus. Yeah. 
If you're in that place of delay or you know people around you in that place of delay, well, let's pray for faith. Well, let's pray for a deeper trust. Let's pray for an understanding that we say, Lord, we know that you love. We know that you love us. We know that you're active. Lord, you said in John, the Father is working even until now. And Lord, you said, I myself am working. So we know that there's something going on behind the scenes. We may not see the fruition of it, God, but you're doing something. And so we believe, God, that you're going to move. And until then, God, we're going to pray the price. Now let's pray. Let's pray for 
a spirit of encouragement to come upon our congregation that is waiting on the Lord on something. Let's pray. Let's go to our community prayers and let's pray for our friends and family that are waiting or right, delayed uh, answers here, on, especially as deal with cancer and health issues. And let's pray for God's healing word. Let's pray for our community that are dealing with illness, uh, but also needs to meet with Jesus. So let's pray for physical healing. Let's pray for the word of salvation. Pray for our community dealing with uh, non-cancer-related illness, and let's pray for God's healing. Let's pray for our community that's looking for work, and let's pray for open doors and God's provision. Let's go to our mission focus. Uh, uh, let's pray for Cambodia. Uh, let's lift up Oasis House with Pastor Jenny. Uh, let's pray for North Korea. Uh, pray for open doors for ministry. Uh, pray for mission opportunities and partnerships all through Asia. And let's continue to pray for the persecuted churches and especially uh, the war uh, going on in the Middle East right now. And let's just cover uh, these countries and the people. And, and let's pray for our partnerships as well.
Let's pray for our gatherings uh, this weekend. Uh, let's pray for our Sunday services. Uh, pray for the well, uh, SP Kids. Uh, pray for the worship team, the hospitality teams, uh, the youth group, uh, spin and spill services. Uh, we have a PMC uh, tonight at our place. Uh, pray for the three couples. Uh, let's pray for just all the different activities, classes, outreaches happening throughout this weekend. Let's ask for God's hand to be with us. Let's pray for house church meeting uh, today, Bowen, Mawan, and Southside. Let's pray for our leaders and and, uh, ask God to really use them to really lead our people into a deeper relationship with Jesus. Let's go to our member focus. Let's pray for Sue Moon. Let's pray for healing of John's shoulder. Let's pray for healing and, and reconciliation of parents-in-laws and wisdom to be a godly wife, mother, and colleague. Now let's lift up Sue. for Kelly Shum. Let's pray for healing for family's dog uh, uh, who has lung issues. Let's pray for uh, better spiritual routines and wisdom as a first-time parent. Uh, They're due in April. Let's lift up. pray for uh, Kelly uh, Kraft, uh, who's in India. Let's pray for the Holy Spirit to, to help her know Jesus. Uh, pray for God to bring the right people to the team and protection over the ministry and for people to be saved. Uh, let's pray for Kelly and her ministry.
And as we've been doing, I encourage you to just connect with somebody, uh, just move around the room and and find someone. We're going to pray, continue to pray for for Addie. Let's ask God to continue to heal her, you know, that the kidney function uh, would come back uh, soon. Uh, uh, Continue to pray for the wisdom for the doctors. And uh, and, uh, this morning, let's let's also uh, uh, lift up Hazel. You know, thank God that uh, uh, the, uh, her brain, the cancer in her brain, is doing well. But other things uh, could improve. Uh, and you know, she's in the hospital now uh, because she's been vomiting. And so let's just pray for that she just her body would recover, be healed, and and uh, the different cancer markers would go down during this time. Uh, let's lift up. Father, we come humbly, God. We thank you that you love us, God. We know sometimes it's difficult to believe that when there's delay, Lord, when we're seeking after you, God, and and we believe it's your will, Lord, but it's just not happening. Lord, especially in those moments, Lord, I pray that you'd infuse us with encouragement and faith. Now, let us know, God, that you do love us, God, and that you are working, Lord, and that there is a purpose and a reason why. And Lord, and we don't need to know the reason. God, we just rely on you. So teach us as a church to walk in this expectant patience, Lord. God, we continue to lift up our church, and especially during this fast, God, we lift up our friends and family that are waiting, God, on you. Lord, would you come, God? Would you come like a storm, Lord? Would you meet their needs, God? Would you encourage them? Would you minister to us, Lord? Would you answer our prayers? Every miracle is an answered prayer. 
And so, Lord, we're going to do our part to pray. Lord, you do your part, God, to provide the miracle. Lord, you add the super to our natural. God, we thank you. We love you so much, God. Lord, just watch over us the rest of this weekend. Lord, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Uh, enjoy the rest of your prayer time, and we will see you tomorrow at church.